There were two more murders 15 miles when away. We arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. The weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. Sneaking out to meet a boy should be a harmless act of rebellion. On October 3rd, 1996, a young girl snuck out on her first date, a homecoming queen who, unfortunately, wouldn't make it to her crowning. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Heather Rich, born January 19th, 1980, was described as an avid horse rider, talented musician, smart, kind-hearted, popular, exciting, and a bit naive. But the sophomore wasn't without her problems. Those who knew her well, who looked beyond the popular girl facade, saw a troubled girl who had started getting herself into trouble. She hated her small town. She hated her small town of Warica, Oklahoma, and felt she and the rest of the town's teens needed more in the way of entertainment. If you're from a small town, then you know the restlessness she felt. She liked to drink with her friends to pass the time and was temporarily from Warica High School and the cheerleading team for being noticeably drunk while on the sidelines. It was only for three days and she was expected to come back on October 3rd, 1996 and be nominated as a candidate for homecoming queen. Unfortunately, the beautiful 16-year-old would never make it to her crowning. On October 2nd, 1996, Heather snuck out of her parents' home around 11 p.m. with the intention of meeting up with 17-year-old senior Joshua Bagwell on what would have been their first date. Josh's parents, though relatively absent, were amongst the wealthiest landowners in southern Oklahoma. He was described as being snobbish, pampered, and generally an outcast amongst his peers. He lived in a trailer parked at the rear of his grandfather's home, which is where Heather was heading for their date. He loved to fish, shoot guns, and camp, a passion he shared with a boy named Curtis Gamble. Curtis, who was also in the trailer that night, was a 19-year-old high school dropout with a short fuse and a sadistic personality. He escaped from every youth detention he had ever been sent to and was committed to a psychiatric hospital when he was 17 years old. Also in the trailer was Randy Wood. Randy, who came from the poorest family in Warica, was a well-liked captain of the football team who had been smoking pot since the third grade and was known to steal money and narcotics from his junkie mother. He was also Heather's ex-boyfriend. They dated for about five months, but never really seemed to evolve past the friendship stage of their relationship. He broke up with her after hearing a rumor that she skinny-dipped at a party, but the pair remained close friends, which is why she felt comfortable meeting with the boys late that night. When she arrived, Randy and Curtis, already drunk and believing the pair wanted to be alone on their first date, left Joshua and Heather in the trailer for about an hour. When they came back, both were naked and had drank about a half a bottle of gin. Heather was so drunk, she couldn't even form words. Josh claimed that the pair had consensual sex, and all three began goading each other to have sex with Heather since she was already naked and unable to say no. They were all drunk, but Heather seemed to be worse off. Randy was the first to assault the girl, placing his fingers inside of her before Curtis took over and began raping her. Shortly after he finished, Heather seemed to come to and began crying. Fearing she would accuse them of rape, 
Curtis took over and decided she needed to die. He persuaded his friends, Randy would later state by threatening him with a gun, and she was dressed and carried to the back of Joshua's grandfather's pickup truck. Not knowing what to do with her, Joshua began aimlessly driving around for over an hour while they looked for the perfect spot. Something secluded. Eventually, Curtis took over and drove towards a cement bridge on a rural road in Belknap Creek, Texas. He grabbed a shotgun and ordered Randy and Joshua to carry her to the side of the road. She was then shot several times in the head and torso as she laid only semi-conscious on the ground. Once Curtis was done, Josh took off one of her shoelaces, tied a rock to her body, and threw her over the guardrail and into the creek below. When Gail and Dwayne Rich woke up to find their daughter not in her bed the next morning, they called the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, who, because of a recent runaway, said the girl would probably be back in a few hours. Her family didn't agree and began their own investigation, even hiring a private investigator to assist. On October 10th, a rancher and his daughter found Heather's partially submerged body in the Red River, almost completely unrecognizable due to her injuries and decomposition. Her father was only able to identify her by a gold ring he gave her on her 16th birthday. As there were no leads or arrests in her case, when her funeral was held on October 14th, the family forbade anyone outside of their immediate family to attend, and her mother stood vigilant, making sure no one touched her coffin. She promised that, quote, whoever did this to her would never touch her again. One week after her body was found, Randy Wood was crowned homecoming king of Warika High School. As the investigation continued, the FBI got involved due to the transportation over state lines, and investigators tried to crack the wall of silence amongst Heather's friends and peers. Eventually, a friend told police that she had attended a party at the home of Joshua Bagwell. He was questioned and said that it wasn't a party, just he and his friend Randy, and that neither had seen Heather that night. So police began focusing on the buckshot round found at the scene. It was a distinct brand, and thanks to the small town, the one store that sold the brand knew exactly who purchased the rounds, Joshua Bagwell. They eventually connected Josh and Randy with Curtis Gamble, and everything seemed to come into place. They knew Curtis, and they knew what he was capable of. He was arrested on October 24th, questioned for eight hours, failed a polygraph test, and agreed to have his shotgun ballistic fingerprinted. It was a match. And when told this information, he confessed to the murder and implicated his two friends. In fact, he claimed the whole thing was instigated by Randy Wood, a jealous ex-boyfriend. The other two boys were arrested the same day. Joshua refused to speak to anyone or submit a polygraph. His family soon hired a team of high-profile lawyers to defend him. Randy, on the other hand, was adamant that the blame should lie with Curtis and confessed to the part he played, gave a written statement, and took a polygraph that backed up his confession. All three were charged with kidnapping and later, first-degree murder. Curtis was the first to go to trial on October 15, 1997. He accepted a plea bargain and agreed to testify in Joshua's trial. He was sentenced to life with a minimum of 30 years. Once Joshua's trial came around in February of 1998, Curtis reneged on his agreement and reverted to his initial claims that Randy was mostly to blame. 
Brandy was offered a similar bargain, but at the last minute, rejected the plea, insisting he wished to testify against Joshua without any preconditions. Joshua, who claimed the intercourse was consensual and that Curtis and Randy planned the murder, was convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment, with an additional 99 years added for conspiracy to commit capital murder. Even in insisting his innocence and blaming Randy, Joshua contradicted himself in court, saying he witnessed, quote, Curtis, sorry, I mean Randy, lowering the gun. Randy was tried last and, on August 25, 1998, was given life imprisonment and will be eligible for parole in 2036. Not willing to stop causing a stir, Curtis and Joshua, as well as two other inmates, escaped from jail in 2002 and held a woman hostage in Ardmore, Oklahoma, before surrendering several hours later. They were later moved to separate prisons. All three remain in separate Texas prisons, awaiting for their potential paroles. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on October 4th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.